What if we told you you could turn your everyday shopping into savings for your kids? How good does that sound? Let us tell you about Kids Start, the free shopping club for parents that tops up your children's savings with the money that you earn back from over 2,300 retailers. Head to www.kidstart.co.uk forward slash medicmums or find the link in today's show notes. That you hear all these stats of like you know oh it takes seven years for women to ask for help I'm like is that not just because it's the first time you come up for air and being like okay maybe everyone's now at school and um I can actually think <laughs> so about true. my you know yeah. I can actually think about myself um yeah. So yeah. and I just think yeah. like this I feel there's so much negative messaging behind so much of like don't let it take you seven years I'm like maybe it's okay if it takes you seven years I don't care what point you come as long as you know that it's the right time for you it's never too late so don't think because it is seven years it's now too yes. late yeah. it's never too late yeah. and I think sometimes you have to come when you're ready hello and welcome to the next episode of the medic mum podcast with me dr punham and me dr steph so as usual we are going to be kicking off our episode by sharing a mum win or fail now i think we've had a record number of shares of mum fails <laughs> because it is always easier to remember those but punham what are you giving me this week is it going to be a win or is it going to be a fail well I was going to launch into a singing spree of like, for the first time in forever. I actually have a win. I have a win this week. Yay! (laughs) That's a win in itself. Yeah, exactly. That's it. The end. Full stop. Your turn. (laughs) Um, But it's uh, about Halloween. It's just my favourite time of year. And I just feel that despite... The crazy juggle of which life is, and it has been absolutely bonkers, like with work and trying to get kids to school and just general survival. But then in between all of it, I actually managed to pull off an epic Halloween weekend. I died on the Monday, but... I rocked it. I managed to get, you know, we had the Halloween movie night. I'm so sorry if this puts any of your mums and it makes you feel bad. That's not the intention. But I just have to celebrate the fact that I got them through like a whole two days worth of ridiculous activities. Uh, I'd had the full Halloween get up and it was amazing. And then I just made life difficult for myself because on Monday I struggled with having to clean it all up. But <laughs> my wee boy was over the moon and I think I, I nailed it. Oh, <laughs> so that I'm sounds amazing. It. No, it sounds like you absolutely smashed it. I, I Yeah, I, I love that Halloween is your thing because I just I don't know I've never really been into Halloween that much at all but I think obviously because we've got two little ones now well you know little one doesn't know what on earth is going on but the eldest anyway I feel like I am having to do stuff to get like her involved so I was very much keeping an eye on your stories over the weekend and keeping an eye on what you got up to it looked like so much fun well I just think that my kids have now given me total freedom to just like bring out the inner kid like I always used to want to do Halloween when I was little and my mum was like you're not going out the house we'd always have the house that the lights would just be off like no kids were coming to trick or treat at ours my mum was convinced that we were going to get murdered if we went out so we weren't allowed and similarly with all the festivals it was just we just were never allowed to do anything so I think that since I've had the kids actually I don't even know whether they enjoy it maybe the whole win was I had a great Halloween weekend I'm not really sure whether the kids enjoyed it but I just have the excuse and I think with all the festivals I just tend to go just get lost in it all and just have so much fun with them and and yeah so 
uh, expect the next one's Diwali, Christmas, it's all happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just that's just the beginning. It's just the warm-up event yeah. <laughs> for everything else. I think that's so true, though. Like, a lot of these events, we do do it for the kids. But if yeah. you're having fun, actually, that's, you know, that's yeah. great as well. Yeah. yeah. And how's, um, how's baby Maro doing? Oh, my God, the baby Maro. <laughs> right, so for anyone that doesn't... <laughs> so for anyone that doesn't follow me, um, we went pumpkin picking and it was the baby's um, sort of first conscious one where she wasn't in the buggy. She was actually able to, to you know, have a look at the, the, the pumpkins. But was she interested in the pumpkin? No, she was not. She found a marrow. She fell in love with this marrow. A really strange <laughs> attachment um, to the point where we couldn't actually move past the marrow path to get to the pumpkin patch um, and then the result of that was that the eight-year-old looked like he was going to burst into tears because he wanted to go look at the pumpkins thankfully one of his friends had arrived coincidentally and his mum uh, could see that I was struggling and she was like let me just take you know Arish and we'll go to the pumpkins whilst we just stayed with the marrow for the entire duration of which she just kept calling the marrow <laughs> baby it was baby baby she couldn't carry this marrow it was like the size of her it was so heavy so the only way to navigate was to carry her and this blinking marrow and the marrow has been under her cot we are one week down with the marrow that's been under the cot the marrow has been at bath time thankfully not quite in the bath yet but we have yeah it's at the breakfast <laughs> oh my gosh uh, so it's still there so Oh, it's still there. Yeah, it's going strong. Apparently, Maros can survive for quite a while. I've I've tried oh to lure her into dolls and bears, but nope. We're in love with a marrow. Oh, okay. To be continued. Then I to thought you would have. It would have like disintegrated in some brown mushy puddle under her cot by now. But no, this marrow's Yeah, not. it's it's a, a an interesting love affair. How are you getting on? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Um, oh. I, do you know what? I'm going to share a mum win this week as well. Yay. Mine is not as exciting or, you know, creative as yours. Mine is that this evening my husband is out and so I did school pickup, after school swimming, went back, picked up my little one, did dinner with them, did bath time with them and they were both in bed by 7pm. Oh my god! I am taking that as a big win because that is like a distinction. Let's face it; that is not. That is definitely not what every day looks like. Um, Bath time and bedtime is usually chaos. Like one of them usually doesn't want to eat, or someone's annoyed about something. Bath time, you know, one of them doesn't want to have a bath. They both don't want to have a bath. They're both cold. They want to get out at the same time. You know, it's just. It's just a lot. Um, so the fact that I actually managed to do that this evening, I was like, yes, Oh, yes. you need to absolutely celebrate those wins because when they happen, and it is few and far between, you just have to soak in the moment and go, I properly nailed it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I don't know about how you, like I sometimes find actually when hubby is away, I hope hubby never listens to this podcast, but when he's away, I actually <laughs> seem to have things a lot more ordered than when he's around don't know if you ever find it you just kind of feel like things kind of go a bit more swimmingly um but that said I wouldn't wish him away (laughs) (laughs) I know you know I know what you mean actually yeah sometimes um sometimes I think it's because I chill out a little bit more whereas if he's not there I'm like okay right you know we've got to be really militant about this whereas if he's there he's a bit more chilled out I'm a bit more chilled out so actually everything just takes a lot longer that's probably what it is oh well well done you 
That is absolutely phenomenal. And the fact that you have managed to get that all done in time for this podcast, because we have got a super, super guest on today. So nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's how I'm celebrating. Yeah. Um, So Steph, take it away. Who is our very special guest who is sitting on the line? (gasps) Yes, we are very, very excited to have our wonderful friend, Claire Bourne, who is on uh, Instagram. You probably know her as Claire Bourne Physio. And she is an incredible women's pelvic health physio. I will let her introduce herself and kind of explain what she does because it will be far better than I do. But welcome, Claire. We are super excited to have you. Thank you so much for giving up your, what day is it today? Tuesday evening um, to, to sit and chat with us. Oh, hi, ladies. No, this is a huge treat for me. I've been looking forward to this all day. Um, uh, it's, it's so nice to actually just sit and chat with friends, isn't it? And just, um, mm. you know, if we can mention the pelvic floor once or twice, we're doing pretty well. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's a great description. So um, I guess my official title is, yes, a pelvic health physio, and mainly because I treat women and men. I think it, at the moment, I, I guess my specialism is, is more um, looking after women women pre-postnatal um I, that's really where my huge passion lies prolapse um diastasis incontinence all the nitty-gritty stuff um i'm a mum of two as well so i mean my two are a very similar age to steph's but well, our littlest are all really similar age um yeah. very much bringing them up in lockdown which is sort of what brought us all together as well um and i now get to work with steph in many ways in the sense of we work <laughs> for the same clinic yes. um so sometimes we get to see each other at work and refer people to each other so yeah no i'm delighted to be here and i'm excited to have a chat oh i know i'm getting formal with the fact that every time like that you two get to work together i'm so jealous <laughs> to move down i want to move down to there. london Easy. yeah I know. <laughs> plenty of space I know. <laughs> Exactly. But Claire, you have been like, I'm so grateful. In many ways, the pandemic has been so rotten for us all. But, you know, we we have found um, commonality and we found each other, like all three of us kind of came together in many ways during this time. Because as you said, we share not just like similar ages of children, but actually we've shared kind of similar issues as women who have birthed and then experienced, you know, issues with our pelvic floors. And I remember just when I came across your profile and then we did a live together during when I was pregnant and I just thought, why have I not spoken to you before? Because we don't actually have a lot of young women talking about this and this is what you bring to it. So tell me, like, what what was it that kind of led you into this specialty? Yeah, I was. that's a great story in itself. So um, when I graduated over a decade ago, which makes me feel a bit nauseous when I say that, um, I'm like, how is it that long? Um Really, at that point, when you graduated junior physios, you didn't really do pelvic health, but they were sort of trialing it um, in the hospital I worked in. Um, so I, I basically fell into it. They, it was the first time they'd had a junior physio do pelvic health. And I, I remember turning off my first day and being like, oh, no, <laughs> I literally know nothing because we didn't do anything about it at university. It was like an optional module, which I did not opt into because I did not think I'd ever want to do it. And then, I mean, long story short, I fell in love with it and I had the most amazing team. Um, and yeah, so then I sort of did pelvic health for a bit longer, did a few other things. And interestingly, what really cemented, I actually 
took a month out, um, headed to India and did some volunteer work. And I was working with a lot of women in the slums in Delhi. And they were asking wow. me actually a lot of questions around kind of pregnancy and childbirth. And I was like, yes, I love this. Why? This is this is what I'm meant to do. You know, you just have those light bulb moments in your life. I was a bit disillusioned in all other ways in my life. But I was like, yeah. And then I literally got back. I contacted my old boss and was like, I think I want to do pelvic health. She's like, oh, we've got a job coming up. And let's just say the rest is history. And that's probably... <sighs> eight years ago now so that I mean kind of fell into it by accident but then everything else was definitely kind of for a reason and I guess you know I had so much cognitive knowledge I think then living it myself pregnancy preparing for birth giving birth (laughs) doing it all again um, has just taught me on a much deeper level the importance um, but also yeah the I think the emotional side I think we can get very physical can't we as clinicians sometimes but just that emotional experience that comes along with a lot of these topics um, how we navigate them actually how we can make sure these things don't have to be a barrier to our everyday life Um, so yeah I've, I've actually just loved being on social media and just kind of I think yeah giving a face to some of these issues um opening up the conversation like working with amazing doctors like yourselves like I think we just have so much more still to do with awareness and I think what I think it can sometimes be like is a bit like oh us and then and you know oh why are GPs not doing more and all this sort of stuff and you both know I'm so anti-GP bashing and I think the importance is that we just keep building relationships and supporting each other and accepting the place that we are at in the NHS at the minute obviously raising awareness of what are the resources but I think with so much of pelvic health actually basic education is really powerful like you know, so even a conversation like this evening, women might listen and be like, oh, I've, I've learned things I never knew. So I think, yeah, it, it's saying that education and awareness doesn't have to be seeing a physio face to face necessarily. There's lots that we can do around that. I just love that so much. And I know this is a podcast, but I've literally just been nodding along to everything you have said there because, and I generally find myself doing that with your content and just whenever I hear you speak about it, because firstly, like your passion is so clear and it just shines through and it just, oh. with your story, it's just incredible. And obviously it was just meant to be, but I think... Like you said, it's just about raising awareness, giving a platform to it. And actually, I have to confess that as a GP, I actually hadn't really hadn't heard of pelvic health physios until uh, until I was pregnant with my eldest. And only then was I aware of it. And I thought, gosh, that's me as a healthcare professional. I cannot even imagine what it's like if you're not in, uh, you know, in, in a medical in any shape or form. So... Yeah, it's it's really tough and people just need to know about kind of what's normal, what's not normal, that there is help as well. Um, so I think you're doing such a brilliant job of doing that as well. I'm sure I have honestly, I have no doubt that so many you've helped so many people and I'm sure you get messages to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely, isn't it, when you see the story. And I even had one lady being like, just to let you know, I'm actually going to unfollow you because I'm now totally better. (laughs) And I now don't, you know, I I found I had a prolapse. I followed you. I've now gone and got help because of this. I'm now totally better. And so I'm going to unfollow you because I just don't need to be reminded of it all the time. And I was like, that is the best unfollow message I've ever experienced. (laughs) I was like, unfollow away. Please go on your way. Like, that's (laughs) that's what I'm here for. Like, that's what I want. You know, I I always say, 
I don't want people to have to see me forever. I don't want you to have to watch my content forever. I want to be there for the season of your life when you need it. And the plan yes. is that, yes, you then don't need it forever. That's the whole point. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I love it. I love it. And I think I think what I've experienced in the physio world as well is sometimes I think there was a lot of frustration of like, oh, why doesn't anyone know about us? Like, why don't people refer to us more? I'm like, we have a responsibility to get out there and be like, hello, I exist. Yeah. You know, it is a relatively small area of physio. Mm. It's hugely growing, which is exciting, but also with growth, I think sometimes watered down of quality, which I think is something that we have to be careful with. Um, and yeah, I think it's really important. And that's why it's like, we need to get ourselves on social media. We can't complain that no one knows about us if we're not going to the place where everyone is. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I never really expected Absolutely. it to become anything. Like what but. inspires me? um yeah in a well I mean it has and it's just it's become a total source of of education and actually a resource in itself that often we will kind of recommend people kind of go check out but I think that what inspires me um is that like in the same way that we're kind of doing this podcast and kind of the journeys that we've all followed that have taken us to doing some of these alternative ways of teaching it's come from very personal stories and like much like what Steph said, as a GP, I'd never studied about pelvic women's pelvic health. Um, and actually I had a very traumatic birth with my first and I went on to have a really, really complex and difficult time with my pelvic floor, which I just never spoke about. And it wasn't until I had my second, I was pregnant for the second time with um, my baby that it kind of triggered a lot of things that I just left. I hadn't healed, I hadn't treated them, I'd ignored them, I was too embarrassed to talk about them. And that, again, as Steph said, as a healthcare professional, is alarming that if we're kind of doing that, then what chance is the sort of Joe Bloggs on, on the street got? But you arrived at this, like you've had your own personal kind of journey with it, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I always find it kind of ironic <laughs> Mm. I remember being like literally this I mean I'll tell the story but I was like six weeks postpartum and I was like pretty sure something wasn't right and I saw a gynecologist who I'd worked with and she I mean TMI probably but nothing's TMI really um with mm -hmm. us I think but yeah she was like fitting yeah. a coil and she was like oh yeah I mean you've got to have something like it's just part of the job and I was like uh, I didn't sign up for that. It's not in my CV. Have pelvic floor issues yourself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my journey there was, um, I mean, I was terrified of birth, to be honest with you. I mean, I think when the job that I do is 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 essentially working with women who have complications post after birth. I think now I'm, you know, five years down the line, I actually just know that probably all of us have something at some point that we're probably facing. Um, and I get to journey that with so many women now that I think for me, the kind of impact is reduced. But I think as a 28 year old who, you know, I was just like, the all I thought was birth equal trauma, to be honest. They just didn't really understand that birth could be anything else. Um, mm -hmm. So I did a lot of work and I was like, I really, really want to try for a vaginal birth. Um, so I did all the hypnobirthing and everything. And actually on paper, my birth was pretty textbook, to be honest with you. It, I did have a longer pushing phase, um, but all within the realms of normal, you know, that sort of like, oh, as long as it's within two hours. Um, but it was so funny because I remember being to my husband, I was like, don't let me push for two hours. Like you watch that clock and if it's got to an hour, yeah. we need to do something about it. But both of us, like 
I know that's so weird that you have literally lose two hours of your life in some kind of labour situation. But I couldn't believe it had nearly been two hours. Like, and both of it, he was like, how? Mm. When did that happen? Like, you're just yeah, in this no, like, t- weird yeah. time warp, right? Yeah. And I don't mean nothing would have changed. And the fact is, I know now that the baby had a short cord. So she was sort of like bobbing up and down. It just took a long time for her to come out. Um, anyway, in those first early weeks postpartum, I mean, everything feels weird, right? And I was like, oh, is this what they talk about? Like, I feel this kind of heavy dragging sensation, but I've also just had a baby. So I don't know, maybe that's normal. Um, And I felt pretty invincible because I'd just given birth. I was like, oh, amazing. It was all great, la, la, la. And then I was like, oh, six weeks. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And so I remember texting a colleague being like, I think I've got a prolapse and I was just devastated. I was just devastated. Um, she's like, look, come in, we'll, we'll sort you out. <laughs> and you know, obviously she was like, yeah, you do. Like you're completely right. Um, you do. And, and I just think hearing that as a 28 year old woman, um, who's just had a baby. Yeah. I mean, I think at that point as well, I hadn't really met I definitely met younger women with prolapse, but I think they'd been more like late 40s, 50s, 60s in my head. So at 28, I was like, I didn't think I'd be dealing with this for at least another 20, 30 years. And I just thought, where do I go from here? And to be honest, it impacted me hugely. And I like knew cognitively, I was like, I know the research and I know if I do my pelvic floor exercises and I know this and that, but you just catastrophize. And I was like, what if I can't ever have another baby? What if I'll never, you know, all these things, what if I'll never exercise again? And I loved exercise, you know, I was running. I was like the fittest I'd ever been going into pregnancy. So really not my confidence, but I think also as a woman, you just feel like your vagina's broken. Like, yeah your most intimate part of you is broken and it's totally not there are changes and I think where I've got to again I'm five years down the line that's why I can talk about these things so easily without it impacting me and I've you know I've done a lot of work on it but ultimately it was coming to this point of acceptance of yes technically there is a part of my body that has changed but that doesn't mean it has to hold me back and it doesn't actually change who I am so yes okay a yeah. vaginal wall is stretched and slightly different. But that doesn't mean I can't exercise. It doesn't mean I can't do what I love. It didn't stop me having another baby. It doesn't, you know, there's so many elements that I thought, oh, it means X, Y, and Z. And, and it doesn't. And I think the problem is our narrative still is with prolapse is you can't do this. You can't do that. You you can never do that again. Never run again. Um and we've got to stop that essentially. I think that is a huge part of what I like to challenge on social media is just this narrative that comes along with prolapse. And honestly, when you're diagnosed with prolapse, you feel like you've aged about 50 years. Yeah. Like that is the only way I can describe it. And you're like, oh my gosh, like that's that's my life now. So yeah. and and I think, you know, there's a lot more research going into it and challenging a lot of the status quo of it. So it's exciting times, but I think sadly it's yeah. that classic thing of like you have research, you have information, but it doesn't quite get down to all the medical professionals. And then women are still hearing, oh, I can't ever lift a weight. Also, how do I look after my baby? How do I lift a car seat? All that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's my journey. No, it is quite an isolating journey. Um and especially as a young woman, because again, sort of as a GP, the kind of women that come in and speak to me about prolapses or the ones that I would typically examine are older. And for me personally going through it, I was just in such denial because I, I'd yeah. had a traumatic birth experience, you know, so very much connect to some of the things that you've said there because 
like for me it was just complete like I was like how can how can I be broken at the age of 30 like that's just this doesn't happen and and then I I remember like just going to the gym and it was a couple of years after actually and I couldn't do jumping I couldn't do jumping jacks right the yeah. star jumps and and the guy at the gym that with the PT that was leading the session like he wasn't to know any differently like you know but he, I said you know can I maybe do something else and he was like why and I was like well I just you know because obviously every time I was doing it like I just felt a little trickle and I was like I, I just can't do it and he was like why and I was like because I've had a baby and he was like well when do you have your baby and I was like two years ago and he's like well you've got no excuse then get on with it and I never oh, went gosh. back to the gym to the point where I actually it's properly still probably scars me from going to do the, to the gym and um but you do because suddenly you then look around and there's other women there or other people that perhaps have also had kids, but they're getting on with it. And you start that comparison game and you just think, God, I must, there must be something fundamentally wrong. And because there aren't enough young people talking about it, which we now know, increasingly more and more women are finding their voice. Yeah. But you don't hear it. Therefore, it's a hidden thing and it's still a taboo. And it's just such a shame. Yes. And I think you've touched on what so many women experience and it is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And, and I think for me, it's like so much more than pelvic health. It's our mental health. It's our emotional well-being, but it's also like our bone health and it's, it's our cardiac health. You know, when we stop women being active for whatever reason, it has a knock on to all aspects of our health. And I, actually, when you often break it down, and I, yeah. I did a talk last year, and I remember saying to a bunch of women, a whole room of women being like, what type of exercise do you do? And it was a lot of like Pilates and yoga. And I was like, and why are you none of you running or lifting weights? And they were like, because I'd wet myself. And that's, that's literally the reason so that I'm, I'm, I'm too scared. And I was like, but have you thought about the impact that has? And you know, we know, I mean, it's depressing, but like, by mid 30s or whatever our bone density is starting to decline these these are the years when women need to be encouraged to be being more impactful and stuff like that um but yeah it, it's hard and I, I think like touching on what you said prenums there's there's so many layers to it as well because i think what i often encourage women is like you actually kind of need to grieve a little bit um to accept that there have been these changes and that doesn't conclude that that means you'll never do those things again but it's actually okay to feel a grief of that i am in a different place um and also i think resentment is a big feeling as well i i'd hate seeing people run because i was just like i want to do that and i should be doing that and I can't do that. And I'm actually now at a point where I think I will run again. I, I can run now. I feel very much more confident. Now, it's taken me five years to get confident enough and two births and two kids and all that sort of stuff. But I just I just want women to hear that whatever you're feeling on that journey is all really valid because it is, it's, com- it's very mm. complex. It's very complex. I think it's so empowering to hear you well, to hear you speak about what you've been through and it will be really empowering for other women as well. And everyone, like you said, will be at different stages of their journey. But again, like you said, just to just to know that it's okay to feel all of those things, but then also that there is there are options and there is treatment. You don't just have to put up with it. And I guess it just, like you said earlier, it kind of feeds into that whole thing of restrictions and limitations. And suddenly it's all because, you know, you, because it is a consequence of having had a baby as well. It becomes, you know, it's very much a women's health issue. And so then you go into the, 
um, you know, that rolls into, oh, you know, we're being kind of segregated in a way. Yes. And, you know, it's just, yeah, it's it's so much more than just a condition. And I guess that that's the, you know, that's what we have to recognise as well. Um, yeah. And I think it's whilst, you know, it's such a, you know, it's a really difficult experience that obviously you've been through. I'm sure you provide such a unique point for of contact for people you know you're examining them you obviously are an expert in that field but at the same time you've lived it as well so you are you just totally get everything Mm. um and I think that that is such a yeah such a unique position to be in and actually that's why we thought it would be incredible just to to have a chat with you because of those lived experiences as well yeah absolutely and I think it's so fascinating like I look back on my old physio self um and just being like oh gosh like how you said those things also like even like okay so you need to do these exercises like three times a day and now I just say to a mum I'm like let's be real that ain't gonna happen so I'm just gonna tell you do one thing a day that you think you can fit in and I'm often like this is when I often do it and look I'm not saying you have to be a mum to be a good pelvic health physio at all but I think it's definitely given this dynamic and I sort of laugh at my old self and I'm sure the women were like you got no freaking clue love you're like 23 <laughs> got no kids like you're telling me to do x y and z um and so yeah, I think that's the thing it's it's with all of these things, what no mum needs is to feel like she's got to do a gazillion other things on top of what she's already doing. Because all that does is like bring another barrier, which is not going to get us anywhere. And I always think you hear all these stats of like, you know, oh, it takes seven years for women to ask for help. I'm like, is that not just because it's the first time you come up for air and being like, okay, maybe everyone's now at school and um, I can actually think <laughs> so about true. my, you know, yeah. I can actually think about myself. Um, yeah. And I just think yeah. like this, I feel there's so much negative messaging behind so much of like, don't let it take you seven years. I'm like, maybe it's okay if it takes you seven years. I don't care what point you come, as long as you know that it's the right time for you. It's, you know, it's never too late. So don't think because it is seven years, it's now too yes. late. It's yeah. never too late. Yeah. Um and I think sometimes you have to come when you're ready. It's so true. Like yeah. everything you say there is so true. And I'm nodding away like crazy because, and I do think that when you become a, a mother yourself and you are on, you also have that dual role of being able to sit on the other side of the consultation table as a healthcare professional or carer. I think that the sense of empathy and connection you get because you have that lived thing behind you. You know, none of us know what it's like to actually have a baby until you have a baby. And then, you know, we've already come at it from different perspectives, depending on what we've seen or what we've been primed through society. And you have this notion when you put on media that everyone springs back, you get that body back. And therefore, if you don't, you just need to get on with it and just not speak about it. Um, But I think that, when you have kind of been there, done that, the sense of like care that you give to a fellow mum, it is, it's more real. Like, you know, we do the same with our patients when you're doing those postnatal checks. It's, you know, yeah, the baby, the baby is definitely part of it. But you know, you can tell the doctors even from the ones that have had the kids and the ones that have not, because the ones that have will be like, mum, come down, sit down, 
postnatal time. Let's talk. Ah, oh, yeah, the twelfth, the the twelfth trimester. God, oh my <laughs> God, can you imagine? Barely cope with four, <laughs> but the fourth trimester, something that we've all kind of learned through actual experience, but it's still very much an unwritten one. You know that all these things are very important, and when you say seven years, I think back, like I had my second child and it was all you know very much unplanned but you know it was seven years later and I was starting to get to the point where I was like okay me now but where do I go and it was actually coming across your page the first time where I was like there's somebody we're similar ages she's talking about all the things and in fact I think I sent you a video didn't I like at one point because I was going climbing like I went up climbing up a mountain with my husband and then they they cracked a joke and I went into hysterics and I couldn't stop giggling and then I was like oh my god stop making me laugh because I thought I was gonna pee myself yeah and I just could you know and it's just this video that they've captured where I'm just basically squeezing my legs laughing my head off but trying not to pee and now that I've said this on the podcast, maybe this is the time because I'd said, Claire, I just don't know when the right time to share because I'm so anxious because I don't want anyone to judge me. Or and, and you were so lovely. You were like, well, just whenever you're ready. Yeah. Because I was like, you know, there aren't very many other young people talking about it. And it's just, it's quite humiliating as much as there's a funny side. And I was able to see the funny side because I was with my family and I was just laughing. And I was like, oh my God, you're going to make me literally pee myself. Yeah. Um, but the the other side to that is the bit that talks to you when you're lying down at night on your own and thinking, I don't want to be like that, not yet anyway, and or never actually. And how do I actually say to someone that help? <laughs> you know, yeah. you're so vulnerable, yeah. isn't it? Totally, totally. And I think, I mean, I, I have the beauty, I think, of being the friend that everyone comes to. Like, I get those messages from you. And then literally yesterday, another friend who has had a ho- horrid cough and is like, Claire, will my pelvic floor ever be the same again? And, you know, and I get all those messages. So I, and I, I sit in clinic with all of these women. So often when women are like, I must be the only one, I'm like, well, listen, if I just got all five of you from clinic this morning together, you could all tell each other your own stories. I know you're not the only one. Um, But I know that it is a very isolating thing. And as you say, it's so hard to say those words like, oh, I actually wet myself or I leaked or, Mm. uh, yeah, my vagina doesn't feel right. Like we're not really brought up in a society where those conversations are what anyone's having. Um, so absolutely, and I think it is particularly worse in cultures. Yes, as well. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'd say I'm pretty unusual, even within my friendship groups. Like I think I've become that friend. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think growing up it was a at all I mean it, like within my family I mean we're very close but now I, I obviously just be like oh yeah blah 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 and um <laughs> you know I wouldn't say I was necessarily modeled that it must just be who I am necessarily but yeah I, I just think it's so important that we just give all the grace and the time and that when women do come we give them that space because I was actually talking to someone this morning about this and how much we just our whole narrative can be so disempowering you know it's taken women seven years to pull on those big girl pants and be like I'm gonna go and then they arrive and then they're basically told well yeah what do you expect or like well yeah you haven't done enough you have to try harder and they're like what do you think I've been doing for seven years, you know? And yeah. I and I think what I see with so many women in clinic is, I mean, getting into the nitty gritty of pelvic floor, so many of us are just doing it wrong. 
So you can tell a woman, try harder. And she's like, I've literally given it a thousand percent. We need them. We we need women to have the right support. Otherwise, it's just and then they'll be like, well, I've tried pelvic floor. It doesn't work. Well, no, it doesn't work if we don't do it correctly. Um, So I think this is what's so important is that we we all have to change our attitude. Um, We can't keep blaming women for not coming for help soon enough. And then when they come, we're telling them they haven't done enough. It's like, and then we'll tell them, well, what you're feeling is basically fine anyway. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I'll just go back into my hole where I was hiding before and I'm never coming out again. You know, it's just so awful. It just breaks my heart that this is the norm still in our country. Um, But I think through these conversations, I think women are feeling more empowered. And, you know, I've learned so much from you guys where I now say to women, you know, look on the GP website, check who might have an interest in women's health. Um, Write down the symptoms that you've been feeling. So when you rock up there, and I remember Steph saying so clearly like come in and tell us what you're worried about and I say go in there and be like just be like I'm leaking I'm worried rather than being like oh um well I kind of had a baby and things haven't been quite right down there I was like just go in and own it and that just helps the doctor to be like right I'm with you I know where we're at and so I think keep having these conversations it keeps going doesn't it I love that I love that isn't that crazy is like you would just walk in and be like I've broken my toe yeah like, I broke my elbow, but actually coming in and saying, actually, my vagina is broken. Can you help? Like, it's just, it is. And um, gosh, you are good. I know. <laughs> like, I always, yeah, I love, I always love chatting to you about it because, and I just wish that you could be everywhere and that we could make clones of you and just dot you around the country because people need to hear this stuff and people need to know that the support is there um yeah and like you said it is just a bit of a vicious cycle isn't it when we're trying to you know empower women and get them to go and then they go sometimes and the experience can sometimes be great but often not and it's not you know one single person's fault necessarily it's just the system I think you know our training you know we've had conversations about this as well like how you know what can we do you know to kind of break down that barrier between specialties like I think that often the thing is that people assume that you know other healthcare professionals that we just like kind of work seamlessly together and I so wish that that was true but very often it's okay, well, I know what I'm doing over here. You know what you're doing over there. We don't necessarily know what each other does or how we can actually work together, Um, which actually seems mad. Um, And you kind of think, you take a step back and you kind of think, what on earth was I doing at medical school? Um, I was learning all of this other stuff and that is completely not relevant. I need to know about how cells replicate or whatever. Not relevant to the everyday job. Like this is is what is relevant. And yeah, I just... in the the busyness of it all I mean I think of it a bit like what it's like just being parents and I'm sure you both feel the same like with my husband I'm like we don't really talk we live in the same house we're married to each other we talk about the necessities but like could I tell you a lot of what he's done this week absolutely not I mean it's only Tuesday but even the last week it's the same within healthcare we kind of all coexist we're all doing our thing yeah we don't get much time to talk and you sort of tell them the highlights or being like this that and that and it, yeah. it's just it's just within the it's all the same and then yeah, you're, yeah. You, sometimes you know and I think within the NHS it can be very good if you like you have those sort of sit down meetings um where there's a bit more sharing but I think that's very hospital medicine as well I think once you get into the community you're all in your own rooms and unless mm. you sort of peck your way in being like yeah. hello yeah yeah, um, yeah exactly yeah you've got to be proactive about yeah. it yeah it's it's hard it's hard 
So I also feel like we should get down to the nitty gritty and kind of, you know, you're here, you're our expert. I kind of want to divulge, you know, there's so much to say about it, but what would be some maybe like top pelvic health tips that you have? Yeah, great. So I think first of all, like, let's just talk about how to do a pelvic floor contraction. Yeah. Now, like, I think visual is really helpful. So if you want visuals, come to my social media page. But for an all... Love, yeah, you've got your little model. I yeah, love that. That, that pelvis <laughs> is never far away. Um, <laughs> but from an audio point of view, I think what so many women do, well, first of all, I think we don't give them the right cue. So we need to actually think more around the back passage. So actually around the anus, not just around stopping a wee. And the Basically other thing doing is doing this now as well. By exactly. The way. So stealth. No one knows. Um, oh, a lot of the time we're thinking about this upward lift towards our head. It was actually the muscle fibers run forwards to the pubic bone. So often what I'll get women to think about is bring your back passage towards your pubic bone and then let go. So kind of hold wind to the pubic bone and let go. And, and that is it. Essentially, if you can feel some tightening, I think the other mistake we often make is that we want it to be like really massive contraction. But it's actually very subtle. Um, so I think that would be my top tip. My second one would be don't underestimate deep breathing because breathing is super, super important in ha- allowing the pelvic floor to sort of fully relax. And pelvic floor problems are not all about being super weak and the muscle not working. We can be on the other end of the spectrum and actually be super tight. And so for a lot of women, I think I'm definitely seeing that post pandemic where we've been super stressed, barely taking a deep breath. Everything's been super tight. I mean, essentially, the pelvic floor is a protector in its nature which is very clever and it's very good at protecting so if we are stressed and I notice this a lot myself because I'm so aware of it I will literally be like to say to someone okay just try and relax your pelvic floor and I'll try and do it myself and I realize I've just been stood there like holding my pelvic floor super tight Um, and maybe it's I've been rushing the kids and I've just or I've been like I need to get on the train to clinic or whatever it might be so learning to actually let go I mean of our whole bodies but especially our pelvic floor can super super help Um, and I think just I think just knowing that it is not okay and not normal to have to live with incontinence, pain with intercourse, the vagina just feeling like there's something in the way, um, struggling to control your bowels, you know, pain in your pelvis. Like none of these things should we have to live with, despite if a medical professional has told you um, that's just part of your life now that's a lie and it doesn't have to be and I'm not I haven't got a magic pill sometimes it takes a long time um and you know chronic pain is complex and things like that but if you are feeling like you are alone and you have tried I just want this to be another reminder that try again and I wish it didn't have to be like that case as we sort of said already but sadly it is sometimes um but yeah so I think try and nail that contraction make sure you breathe and just know you don't actually have to stand for this stuff um and that you're definitely not the only young women out there (laughs) experiencing it because i mean a couple of us here have already shared that and ultimately one in three women will experience incontinence we think about 50 percent of women over the age of 40 45 have already got a prolapse so i mean hello we are the prime example of that (laughs) so and that's literally three of us sat here so if you think about a room of your mates the yeah. chances are that there's a good few of you there struggling and um yeah and I just maybe just try and have a conversation with a friend and to say oh, any chance you're struggling I, I went to someone's house for a home visit and she was like oh this other lady came and she saw I don't know something related to the pelvic floor on the side that she'd ordered something she's like oh my gosh 
do you struggle with your pelvic floor? And then she's like, oh, yeah, me too. And then they had this whole moment of chatting about prolapse. And then they were like, oh, there's this person on Instagram called Claire who talks about prolapse as well. And they were like, oh, yeah, I follow her too. And she's like, we just got into this whole like, oh, kind of, yay, we're kind of all together in this muddle and mess. And though we wish we weren't, but we also, you know, there was this, like, this lovely commonality of sharing it together. And I just think that's it. It, it takes the power out of it when we share together. Okay. It really, really so does. True. And I think that, that's where like if only we could bring this into not just even curriculum but actually the chat starting so much earlier on like even at the beginning when you first find out you're pregnant like these things need to be part we're so anxious about seeing the negatives and worrying that you know but actually transparency is everything so it is that if you happen to be in that small cohort where you might have you know ended up with a complication or whatever it doesn't come as a shock the isolation feels less you feel more empowered to reach out and speak to perhaps Mm -hmm. people that you've met in your nct and nobody judges one another in those postnatal classes you know like all those things are so important because i think that motherhood no matter where you're at with it like especially if you're first time around there's lots of pockets of isolation and all it takes is one other thing to happen something like this like I and I talk from experience as well is it's just another thing that makes you feel even more isolated and Mm. embarrassed and less than and unworthy and then as you say it goes to impact not just it's not just that part, it impacts other parts, your mental health, perhaps your relationship and all the rest of it. And it's just such an integral part of our anatomy, physiology and actually just functionality. Um, yeah. So I think everything that you see is so valued. And I just hope that anyone listening to this, that if you are this person who has perhaps yet not come forward or has not yet been able to open up about it. I hope this is your cue to know that you're not alone. Um, And in fact, so many women go through this. And hopefully by us sharing some of our stories as well, that it's really just edged you a little bit more to just to normalise it for yourself. There's nothing your doctor wouldn't have heard of. And if you don't get the help there, then, you know, look for a women's health physio, look at Claire's page, Um, And there's lots of resources on there as well that will direct you in the right path. Um, But just don't leave it any longer. And that kind of internal, it's just this internal conflict that goes on. Um, Just don't let that drag you down, literally. Mm. <laughs> what a pun, Poonam. Um, yeah, I didn't mean it. I didn't even but, notice um, it. <laughs> I'm just so used to it. It's the everyday chat for you. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that message. <laughs> um, Claire, I'd also love to know before we kind of start to wrap things up what are your favorite resources like where obviously people yeah. can come and find you on instagram at clairborn physio but where else do you direct people yeah so um the the pogp which is the pelvic obstetric gynecological physiotherapist i mean it doesn't roll off the tongue Just does it mouthful. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pogp um they've got a great website with absolutely tons of they've got booklets they've got like blog posts and they've also got like how to find a physio so i definitely Definitely. So it's thepogp.co.uk. I absolutely recommend them. Um, is also, a lot of the content there free or is all it free. you have to pay? Yeah, no, oh, it's wonderful. all free. So that's a really, really nice place to, to look. Um, there's also the Squeezy 
app. So there's the app that you can get on your phone, which is really educational in itself. It is like $2.99. It's an NHS app. So it actually talks you through doing a pelvic floor. There's also like bladder diaries. If you're struggling with your bladder, you can also document things. So that's quite nice. But there's also an online website, which is the directory, um, where again, you can search for physios, both NHS and private. So what I sometimes say to women is, look, look up the NHS physios in your area because it will often state like the referral route as well. Because as you know, it's like postcode lottery. Sometimes the GP yeah. can refer you straight to physio. Sometimes the re- yeah. GP refers you to consultant, then to physio. Sometimes you can self-refer to physio. And it really depends on the area. So sometimes just finding that out for yourself and even going with that information to the GP and saying, I've actually done a bit of research and I, I don't know if you know if I could be referred. Like this is what I found out. Um, can just sometimes be helpful. Yes. And also you just yeah. know for yourself what's available. So it's not all about private. It's, there's NHS, loads of NHS resources. Yeah. And I guess at the time of recording this podcast, we are in the pandemic and we're so facing a huge backlog for for women that have like given birth or maybe struggling a little bit during the pandemic and perhaps, you know, referrals and appointments and all the rest of them might not be you know, easy to come by. So those are some excellent, like easy to access resources that can at least start you on your path. Yes. Um, and I guess the first step always is just having that conversation. So exactly. gosh, Claire, that is just so invaluable. Like I feel like I, I have like been speaking to you for so long, Steph, I think it'd be the same. I just feel like after this conversation, I learn from you every time. Yeah. I feel oh, even so more pleased. motivated. It's so nice <laughs> to see someone so passionate about an area that is just so important. Mm. oh yeah I mean it's I feel privileged to do my job to be honest with you to like sit there with women and they just share that with you I mean it's yeah I mean I I just love it and and I'm glad that comes across and I think the more we all share that the the better it'll be for everyone so long may it carry on <laughs> yeah absolutely you're definitely flying the pelvic health <laughs> yeah, flag. keep going <laughs> um so also Claire as we've mentioned you are a fellow mum and we've had you know you also share brilliant content about the juggle that you know (laughs) we talk about as well on here so it's also so nice to know that you also go through the same thing but as we shared our mum wins and fails at the beginning we would love you to share your mum win or fail with us yeah um I think we're here for a fail I mean there definitely are always wins but um (laughs) I'm finding the adaptation to like school life a whole new world and like it became half term and it was like there was this like all this half-term activity book basically homework that's obviously mainly for you to sort out right and I (laughs) and I was like okay so homework normally has to be in on a Wednesday so we've got a couple more days to play with we hadn't done quite a couple of the activities but I was like it's all good one was like making soup by the way um we had to read like two books there was like five pages and I was like crikey this is a full-time job (laughs) anyway I managed to do it all but also I didn't send the flipping thing do it all <laughs> I did yeah, all the homework the yeah did you get a I, 10 out of 10 I did yeah <laughs> my amazing soup Cold and pictures <laughs> actually I have to give credit my husband sorted the soup out because I was like I'm not making soup this is just crazy what's going on here anyway we did it all and then I was like well I don't have to send it into Wednesday if I send it in too early then I'll be told it's the wrong day and then obviously my daughter comes out of school yesterday and is like mummy you didn't send me in with my homework and I was like why it's only Monday so apparently after half term it's meant to be Monday day and I was like oh you know you just feel like oh gosh I just can't keep up there's emails all the time yeah. from school I mean Pina, you've been yeah. this longer than me and Steph but like it gets oh, worse I'm so sorry days. I just have I have to do you know this whole that. transparency <laughs> chat we've been having 
Like, it's just important for me to just be transparent. I am hating this oh, element no. of life. Like, we are in prep four. He is eight. And it's not even the volume of what, like, I just don't, I don't even understand it because the whole way of me learning, apparently I'm a dinosaur. Apparently, <laughs> oh my God. Like, last week, I actually ended up saying to a patient, I was telling them about their arthritis. And I said, you might want to take some glucosamine sulfate. And they were like, oh, how'd you spell that? And I was like, guh? Le, uh, curly cut, oh, se, me, eh, no, eh. And he was like, pardon? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't, I did, I just did phonics at you. <laughs> I'm trying to so learn the funny. new way of going down. Like, I'm down with the kids these oh, days, you know? <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, Miss McDonald would be proud of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well done. <laughs> Oh, so you hear me? So funny. Oh, you I hear, hear me. you. We I hear mean, you. Yeah, it's insane. But I totally hear you. So I also actually forgot film. to do the homework for this week. Um, <laughs> so I always thought that we had just the weekend to do it. You get it. It kind of goes into the rucksack on Friday. You yes. pull it out. You're meant to do it over the weekend, and I kind of put it back in. So I've been doing that, and then I find out actually we can take the whole week to do it. Yes. So like, oh, okay, that's fine. We had a super busy weekend didn't manage to do it literally sat down with her and I was like do you know what it is six o'clock on a Sunday evening there is no way she's going to do this I was like that's fine I'll just keep it for the week and then um it looks like the booklet has been taken on Monday (laughs) and I was like oh my god and so literally I felt so treading on eggshells and I kind of spoke to the teacher this morning I was like I'm so sorry I was like we haven't done the homework I thought it was the whole week and I just yeah I felt like I had was like going to be told off or something she's like oh don't worry about it you need to realize but I was like oh I know there's just yeah there's a lot to keep up with I'm I'm planning on using yeah there is I'm planning on using like I've spent the whole weekend not doing homework because it was all about Halloween we've now got Diwali (laughs) you know so we've all been doing Diwali stuff so I'm planning on emailing this teacher and be like I'm so sorry due to like very important (laughs) festivities We'll need to just catch up for their own work. <laughs> Mummy is a touch busy decorating the house at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's educational in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's cultural, you know, diversity, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> Go with that, please. Exactly. Oh, well, do you know gosh. what? Actually, the teacher then asked me, she's like, well, actually, they basically they want me to go in and kind of give, give a little talk about like what doctors and do oh, and stuff that's obviously nice. I said yes because I was like I can't say no because I've forgotten to do yeah. the homework um <laughs> but, <laughs> so I was like yeah definitely but then I was like oh my god that's another thing like what if I turn up on the wrong day what if I forget to turn up so I need to be setting multiple calendar alerts for that yes one. <laughs> oh gosh and this is the thing the the mental juggle of that like it's such a shift and yeah I truly, I mean, I remember I spoke to someone yesterday who doesn't have kids and she's like, oh, I can't complain that I'm tired to you. I was like, no, it's all relative. Like, I definitely thought I was tired before I had children. It's just a different sort of tiredness and it's all, it is all relative. And then you think, oh gosh, I could never cope with two children. And then you just do. And I hear people who have more children. You just, they all, it just all happens, right? You just yeah. get on with it, don't you? Yeah, you just but like, get on with it. I just, that brain exploding emoji, I must use that about <laughs> oh, perma. 10 times Every a day. Every single day. Yeah. If I had that on my face, like, it would just yeah. describe me. <laughs> Time. Maybe this is one thing we should start doing, Steph. It's like, which emoji describes you best? Because I think I flip between the brain fried one and the red yeah. face one that is swearing. Like, I think that that's my oh, two. Yeah. Um, okay. Mine is definitely also the what? Yeah, the face on hand one, like the face yeah, on that one. one. Yeah. Um, 
And then the like, you know, that one where it's like just the teeth, just that awkward kind of, oh crap, I forgot again. Or yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> And the one that's like welling up, like, oh, oh my God, that one, yeah. That like basically too, we're definitely. All un- so basically what this describes is we're completely dysfunctional, unstable beings, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this I is love... why it's so much easier going to work than staying at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where you pretty much have a poker face and you're just trying to go, I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> But honestly, this has been such an epic episode. I've loved oh, it yeah. so much. Claire. Loved it. Thank Thanks, you ladies. for your time and for taking an evening out where we understand that your baby is currently sleeping and doing <laughs> doing circles and rounds in a car with your husband driving, <laughs> driving him around so you can do this podcast. We are so grateful. Oh, it's worth yeah. every second. I'm sure he'll agree. <laughs> um, but no, it's been such a pleasure and a privilege and nice to just hang out with you ladies. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, just thank as you. a reminder, if you want to find Claire, which you definitely want to, it's at Clairborn Physio. And also you have a website as well. Just yeah. remind me what that is. So it's www.claire-born.com. So I'm really weird. I'm Claire without the I and Born is like the films with a U. Um, just, you know, the most dull name. <laughs> so still no one can spell it. <laughs> <Just> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, everyone will remember now. There you so go. no I born like the film Um, brilliant so thank you so much um, to Claire for giving up her time if you've enjoyed listening to this episode or any of our other episodes please feel free to leave us a review on Apple and also don't forget to send us a message tell us about the episodes kind of any questions you've got or if any of these things that we have said have resonated with you we've got our Instagram page at the Medic Mum Podcast or our website which is medicmums.com But until next time, take care, everyone, and we will see you soon. Bye. Bye.